I just realized I don't have my button. Is it behind me? Is it back here? One second. I was six years old, and my parents decided that they were going to host a Christmas party at our house. And it was a fairly large Christmas party. There were probably 20, 20 plus people there. And uh, of course, they had all the usual things that a Christmas party would have. And uh, one of the things that we decided to do or they decided to do, was play Dirty Santa. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with some form of, of the game. And of course, the concept of the game is to uh, allow somebody to go and pick out a present, and the next person in line goes and they pick uh, something, or they can steal it from that person. And for some reason, my parents decided that it would be fun to allow me to play the game with all of the adults and uh older people that were uh, at this party. And so, uh, as they gathered around and, and began, to, uh, began to play this game, uh, I went and sat in this big circle with everyone else. And they, I think they staged it, but I ended up with number one. And so, I got to go and, and pick out my gift first. And I was kind of led to a certain spot, and they said, I think this is probably a good one that you'd like. So I went and I got that, uh, that particular present, and I opened it, and I'm going to tell you what it was, and I have a feeling nobody's going to know what it was uh, when I explain it. Um, there was a TV show uh, a long time ago called uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs, very similar to Power Rangers, but uh, less popular, more nerdy, and I loved it. Uh, I loved everything about that show. And, uh, and so I got one of the characters from, from that show, and it, that, that's what I received. And I was so excited about it. I, I had wanted um, several of these characters, and I finally was able to, to get one of these. And I was so excited about it. And, and, you know, in my mind, all I think is, okay, you know, Dirty Santa's great. This is what happens. I've got my gift. I'm all set. Well, one of the people that was playing this game with us was uh, my babysitter at the time, and she felt that we had a good enough relationship that it would be funny if, if she came and walked over and said, when it was her turn, I'm going to steal Connor's gift. And so that's what she does. She takes my gift from me. Now, again, I'm six years old, so I don't understand exactly how this game works. And so I'm devastated because now my babysitter is going to get this Beetleborg that I wanted and I'm going to get nothing. So I'm terribly upset and instead of, you know, rationally looking for another gift like my parents wanted me to, I run out of the room crying. And so I left and I was just completely upset and uh, the whole party was just ruined for me. It wasn't my party, but it was ruined for me. And I, and I hated that. I hated that idea of having something that I wanted, something that I was waiting for, having it in my hands, and then having it taken from me. And of course, later on, just so you know the end of the story, uh, I did end up getting that gift. Uh, but for the longest time, I was so upset because 
I was no longer going to receive this gift. I'll be honest, it's not just this one time all throughout my life. I've never enjoyed having something given to me or believing that I have something in my hands and then having it taken away. And I'm going to go ahead and make a safe bet and say that probably you don't like that either. It's pretty likely that that you also don't like having something uh, right there in your hands, uh, within your grasp, and then it's taken away from you. There is one thing in this life that I want us to, to, to place focus on. There's one thing that's in, that we have in this life that, that is right there in our hands that we, beyond anything else, do not need to let it depart from us. And that is our salvation. We cannot allow our salvation, we cannot allow the hope of eternal life through our Lord, to be able to to be there right here in our hands and then let it leave us. We can't let that happen. Our God has shown us so much love and, and mercy and grace and He's provided so much for us, including this hope of eternity. And how terrible would it be for us to, to see this and to understand this and to have it right here in front of us and then to allow it to, to just slip through our hands. To allow ourselves to, to fall short of being able to achieve this thing that we need so much in our lives. I like to even think of, of this idea of, of, of standing before our God. And Him even telling us and saying to us, you had it in your hands. At this point in your life, you had eternal life. You were doing exactly what you needed to do. You were living exactly the way that you needed to. And then you made this choice. And then you decided to go in this direction. And you lost it. And what you had in your hands is now out of reach. It's now gone. And there's no turning back. There's no going back and getting that. It's gone. This morning, we talked a lot about heaven. Uh, Dax presented a lesson this morning about heaven, and we learned uh, a lot of things about heaven. And so what I wanted to do tonight is, is I wanted to, to talk to you about hell. And I want to start off by, by saying this. Uh, when it comes to this, this idea of hell, um, if you want to go to heaven simply because you don't want to go to hell, then you have the entirely wrong motivation. And what I want to do this evening as we're, as we're looking through this and as we're studying together is I want to make sure that we have a good idea of what hell is. I want to make sure that we understand the, the full parameters, the full idea of what hell is of what it's for, of why it's here. And so that's what we're going to do. I have several verses that we're going to be looking at uh, throughout this evening. Uh, What we're going to do is start off with this first question. And that is, why was it created? Why does hell even have to exist? Well, this question, like all of our other questions, we'll answer through Scripture. Uh, Three different passages that I want to look at, beginning in Matthew chapter 25, Uh, starting with verse 41. 
And in Matthew chapter 25, this is, of course, uh, this passage that we see about judgment. At the beginning of this passage, we see all these people, or we see uh, the Lord speaking to these people and telling them that they've done all of these wonderful things and that they are inheriting eternal life because of it. And then we see the opposite side. We see those people that, that say, have I not done these things for you? And they have not. And here, this is what he says to those that have not inherited eternal life. Twenty-five, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I want to look at another verse. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, beginning with verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. One other verse later on in Revelation, in chapter 20, beginning in verse 10, we see, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see, why was it created? Well, initially, it was a place for the devil and his angels. When Satan made that decision to to defy God, to do things against what God wanted from him, he then decided to take another path entirely. And and, uh, when we see this idea of his angels, we see those people that are those angels that also made that decision to, to follow him, to go in this direction, to separate themselves from God. And so when this took place, we see that something had to happen as a, as a reaction to this, something had to be done to, uh, to remedy this, this uh, defiance from Satan. And so because of that, hell was created. I want to keep reading. I have a few more verses uh, to look at as we look at this idea of why it was created. Revelation, also in chapter 20, uh, just a couple verses later, beginning in verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Skipping on down to to verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, If you'll turn there with me. Beginning in verse 6, we read, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and not on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. 
And of course, back in Revelation in chapter 21, in verse 8 we see, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You see, this place was created for the devil and for his angels. However, it is also a place for the disobedient. It is a place for those who decide to follow the devil and his angels. When Satan introduced and came into, uh, of course, came into the garden and, and, and tempted Adam and Eve and brought this idea of, uh, of good and evil and brought this, this idea of sin into the world, we then see that we now have the same option. We now have the same option to be able to, to follow sin in the direction that it may take us. And when we do that, we then choose to go in the same direction that the devil and his angels are heading. We choose to be disobedient to our God and we choose to follow them into this path of eternal destruction. The second question that I want to look at, what is hell like? There are several different verses throughout, throughout the Bible that, that give us... Uh, kind of a different glimpse of uh, different things that, that, might, uh, that might define this idea of, of what hell will be like. Several different verses. I'm going to put all of these up here for you so you're able to see exactly uh, where all of these come from. And several of those are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 8 and 9. The first of which we see is this idea of it being eternal and everlasting. Uh, it says that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. We also see in Matthew chapter 25, again in this same passage that speaks of this judgment, we see this idea of being cast out into the darkness. And we see this, this phrasing of a weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you don't know what uh, a gnashing of teeth is, um, I actually, I, I had to look it up also to, to make sure I, I was getting it right. Uh, but it's this idea of either grinding one's teeth or, or, or of uh, clenching them together uh, in anguish. A weeping and clenching of teeth. And this is actually not the only passage that we see this, uh, this same uh, this same illustration, uh, that same phrase is actually used six different times throughout the book of Matthew, all referencing this idea of, uh, of this eternal torment. We also see, uh, we see it mentioned as uh, a wrath, the wrath of God in full strength from Revelation chapter 14 and verses 9 through 11. Uh, we see it defined as God's wrath poured out in full strength. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, we see it mentioned as a vengeance on those who do not obey. A vengeance on the disobedient. Vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. 
In Matthew chapter 3, we see it mentioned as an unquenchable fire. Uh, in fact, in this, uh, it's, it's more of an illustration of, uh, of dividing the wheat and the chaff, uh, the, the good part of the crop from the bad. And here we see that the chaff, this, this bad part of the crop, this unnecessary, useless part, will be thrown into this unquenchable fire. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, again looking at verse 9, the first half we see this idea of eternal and everlasting punishment. In the second part we see it defining, defining this as being away from the presence of the Lord. And I want to I want to focus on this final this final scripture because it actually is what carries us on through the next question. We see all these different things that define what it's going to be like. Eternal and everlasting, a darkness with a weeping and gnashing of teeth, God's wrath in full strength, vengeance on those who don't obey, an unquenchable fire and a separation from God. So why is hell so bad? Why is it, of course, it, it, it doesn't sound great. Uh, I don't think it sounds like the, the perfect slogan to get you to go somewhere if I were to define it by these words that we looked at. But why is it so bad? Why, why is hell the worst possible outcome for our lives? It's because God is not there. One of the things that, that we understand about sin is that it separates us from God. And when we choose to go in the direction that Satan wants us to go, we choose this separation from God. We choose to be separated. And hell is nothing more than this eternal separation from God. As a result of this, we are separated from our Creator. We are completely divided and made to be away from the person who created us, from the one who, who gave us life itself. And we also see that those in hell will receive this wrath. Those who, who end up in this place of eternal destruction will receive wrath. And when I heard that initially, it kind of sounds, um, well, it doesn't sound good by any means, but it sounds kind of strange. And you might even kind of be thinking, as you think about this idea of, of us facing the wrath of God, you may be thinking, why, why would he do that? Why would he be so angry? Why would God even decide to, to reject us? Why, if I chose to, to live a life full of sin, why couldn't I be forgiven of that? Why can't I go and live the, my life the way that I want to live my life? And then God just forgive me of all these things. Why does he have to have this anger, this wrath against me? But I want to make something clear. And I've said it already, but I'm going to make sure that you understand this. We end up being in this place that was created 
for those living in sin when we choose to reject our God. When you really think about it, it is not about Him rejecting us. In the end, that is what may happen if you choose that life. But what it's about is what you choose or who you choose to reject right now. It's all about what you decide to do with your life from this second moving forward. When we choose sin over God, we reject our God. We reject our Creator. We reject everything that He has created for us, everything that He has done for us. You see, hell was not created for God's people. Initially, it wasn't created for people at all. But when people decided that sin was a better alternative in their lives than living for God, it became a possibility. It became a possibility for the life of of any and every person. But it does not have to be the outcome. When we look through all the things that, that God has done for us, we cannot overlook Jesus Christ. We cannot overlook the Son that He sent to this earth. The Son that, that lived a life here and lived a, a difficult life, but went all throughout this life for us and was tempted in any and every way that we may be tempted, face the same sin, the same idea of, of being separated from God. But he rejected that. He rejected following anything that Satan brought his way. And even in Matthew chapter 4, we see him being tempted multiple times by Satan. But he overcame this And he overcame much more. And even seeing the sin of so many other people, all the people living around him at that time, he overlooked this sin. And he died. And he died so that you and I can live in heaven. So that way, hell, this place that that we're not supposed to go is a place that we don't have to go. Hell wasn't created for God's people. And I want to make sure that that you understand that heaven is within reach for you. Earlier I talked about this idea of, of being right there in front of of our God and facing Him and Him telling telling us that that at this point in our life we had achieved everything that we needed to make it into heaven. Of course, we really can't do that on our own. It, it requires the grace of God. 
But we were doing everything right. We were living a a righteous life. We were doing all the things that, that He needed of us to do in order to be in heaven. But then we made this decision, this wrong decision. We went in this direction. We chose sin. And because of that, we rejected God. And because of that, heaven is no longer within reach. How awful would it be for us to have salvation in our hands and to let it leave us? How terrible would it be for us to be doing exactly what we need to be doing right now or for us to have just been doing exactly what we should have been doing and then make that decision to to step off the path. All because of sin. And as a result, rejecting our God. You're standing before God And you had it right. You were baptized. You were clean. You were sanctified. And you lived righteously. And then you chose differently. Maybe you are here this evening and and you feel like you have you feel like you have been living right. You feel like you have done exactly what you've been needing to do. But here lately, in this life right now, it doesn't really feel that way. You feel like maybe you've been choosing sin over your God. And maybe you feel like heaven is not really within reach right at this time. Or maybe you're here and you've been living your life and you haven't yet made that step to, to allow heaven to be right there in your hands. You haven't decided to, to be a part of the church. You haven't decided to, to put on Christ in baptism and allow Him to take away those sins in your life. As we conclude, I want you to think about where you stand right now. On this path, with heaven in your hands or off the path with heaven just out of reach. Where are you this evening and where do you need to be? If there's anything that we can do for you this evening, we ask that you come for now as we stand and as we sing. What will you do with Jesus? The question comes to you and you must give an answer for something you must do. What shall it be? What shall it be? What shall your answer be? What will you do with Jesus? Oh, what shall What will you do with Jesus? 
He's knocking at the door. Refuse him so no longer, lest he should plead no more. What shall it be? What shall it be? What shall your answer be? What will you do with Jesus? Oh, what shall your answer be? If you're present this evening and have not had an opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper and to give, then you may exit the auditorium at this time, and if you'll follow your way down the hallway, uh, there'll be someone there to direct you where you will need to go. Appreciate everyone being here this evening, especially our guest. And uh, stick around for a few minutes. Let everyone get to uh, get to know you. If you see someone who is not a regular member here at Midway, please be sure to uh, make your way to them and uh, thank them for being here with us this evening. Of course, uh, Mark will be at Carbon Hill this week. They'll start at 7.30 this evening and then be Monday through Wednesday, I believe it is. Monday through Thursday. 7 o'clock tonight? 7.30 tonight, Monday through Thursday at 7. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. And, uh, of course, if you can make it to uh, one of those or all of them, then uh, be sure to do that. And also we'll have uh, our summer series starting Wednesday, uh, this coming Wednesday. And don't forget, next month, during our summer series, we'll have our VBS, so keep that in mind as well. Anything else we need to make mention of? If not, we'll sing a closing song, and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. Okay, all right. I didn't see them. I think they're gone. Oh, we can dismiss us. Okay. All right. So I'll sing. How do you explain, how do you describe a love that goes from east to west and runs as deep as it is wide? You know all our hopes, Lord, you know all our fears, and words cannot express the love we feel, but we long for you to hear. So listen to our hearts, hear our spirits sing, a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. We will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are. But words are not enough to tell you of our love, so listen to our hearts. If words could fall like rain from these lips of mine, and if I had a thousand years, Lord, I would still run out of time. If you listen to my heart, Every beat will say, thank you for the life, thank you for the truth, thank you for the way. So listen to our hearts, 
Hear our spirit sing A song of praise that flows From those you have redeemed We will use the words we know To tell you what an awesome God you are But words are not enough To tell you of our love So listen to our heart